Welcome to ESG Unlocked by ISS Corporate, a podcast that features engaging and insightful discussions with ESG and sustainability experts around the world. I am your host, Pamela Mutomwa. On this episode, we will be discussing the work behind the scenes for executive compensation experts. I will be speaking with two guests, Julie Malloy and Carmen Luke. Julie is a global HR professional for over 25 years. She has spent most of her career working in the public sector covering all aspects of total rewards. She joined SAIC in 2022, where she leads the total rewards function focused on the strategy and delivery of comprehensive enterprise-wide compensation, benefits, executive compensation, and rewards and recognition programs. Prior to SAIC, she was an executive compensation leader at Sealed Air Corporation and GXO Logistics, leading the design and implementation of their executive compensation and incentive programs. Her greatest accomplishments, however, are being the mother to three incredible teenagers and being a wife. Our second guest is Carmen, who is an executive compensation and corporate governance advisor with ISS Corporate. She advises clients based in the West Coast on corporate governance, executive compensation, as well as shareholder engagement. Prior to her role at ISS Corporate, Carmen worked as a business analyst at Odoo, an enterprise resource planning software company. She holds a BA from the University of California at Los Angeles and an MBA from the San Francisco State University. Julie and Carmen, it's a pleasure to have you both here. Welcome to ESG Unlocked. Thank you so much. So happy to be here. Same here. Happy to be here. Let's get right into it. You know, executive compensation is a unique space and therefore mysterious to many of our listeners. So I'm really looking forward to learning more from you both and demystifying the subject. First, let's set the stage for our listeners to have further insight into your efforts by both of you giving an elevator pitch, if you will, on what your roles are in the context of executive compensation management. Let's start with you, Julie. Well, I always struggle with the elevator pitch because it is so complex and there's so many components of it. And it does differ a little bit depending on the organization. But I always sort of start with things like I'm responsible for the pay and benefits of our most senior leaders up to and including a board of directors. And then I sort of start to ramble on and on about the fact that as an executive comp professional, I'm responsible for incentive plans, so cash bonuses or equity. And I'm also responsible for all the public filings or supporting all the public filings for publicly traded companies. So like the big annual proxy that shareholders read and review and, and devour there's a big piece of that that is supported by the executive comp team. So not so easy to elevate or pitch it, but because again, kind of lots and lots of layers and complexity. I think that was very helpful and enlightening. I mean, just the fact that we get the sense that there's a lot, there's a lot going on <laughs> in your role. And of course, we'll get a little more specific as we keep talking here. Now, Carmen, how would you summarize your role? I work with public companies on their executive compensation program, usually reviewing decisions that are already made or recommending courses of action that they're thinking about making through three main processes. First, I provide data for peer compensation, so giving them insight on market best practices, What are they paying their executives and directors in terms of base salary? annual cash bonus, equity, and then how are they setting goals? Secondly, I analyze paid data 
and performance. So in other words, how much is the executive getting paid and does that align with how the company is performing? And finally, I interpret the company's executive compensation program from a shareholder perspective and also from a governance standpoint. So are there any problematic pay practices? Is the company responsive to shareholder concerns? And all of this information gets delivered to the board of directors who make the final decision on executive compensation. Okay, so you support someone like Julie to be more effective in her role serving her organization. Yep, absolutely. Great, so it looks like we have a great team here between the two of you, providing us with a wholesome picture of what goes on behind the scenes for managing executive compensation. Julie, in your role, you manage a range of HR and compensation experts, being the head of total rewards. Now at a high level, what are the main differences between the pay packages of executives versus other employees? So it starts with, there's a lot the same. So as Carmen indicated, you know, we're, you're always going to look at the market data, maybe of your peer companies, of other competitors, of what's out there in the broad-based kind of compensation surveys. So you're going to do the same process when you're setting executive pay is looking at what everyone else is paying for that role. Where it becomes, you know, complicated is that at that level, there's not a lot of people, right? There's typically one individual at that role. So it gives you a little bit of, you know, you have to kind of put more art than science into what makes sense for that particular leader that you're trying to encourage to come work for your organization. So you have to look at your internal alignment against your other executives. You have to make sure that, you know, how the shareholders would view sort of what you might recommend that that individual get paid. And and so it's a lot more complex. They've also are, you know, typically coming away from a company having a lot more equity that they might lose and, and other components that you have to consider as part of their whole package. A lot of the basics are translatable, but then it's the nuanced of the just the pure seniority of that individual and making sure that you're really making great recommendations to the leaders and and sometimes ultimately the board on what's really the right package to put together for that particular leader. That's interesting. I mean, this might seem obvious, but it's it's I think it's noteworthy to state that there are not many people in that role. So when you are doing these market assessments, it's you're not pooling from a lot of individuals. So I think that's that's something to know compared to, you know, other non-executive compensation packages for other employees. Absolutely. So something that's really interesting about you, Julie, is that it seems executive compensation is a family affair, right? (laughs) As your husband is also an executive comp leader for another Fortune 500 company. Now, from your vantage point and personal experience, what sort of skills would you say are required to be an effective executive compensation professional? Well, it's absolutely a family business, and I will always give my husband credit for being the true professional, having spent um, over 25 years in specifically executive comp while I've kind of covered a variety of total rewards areas. But it's a unique skill set in that you have to be analytical, you have to be detail-oriented, you have to be able to, in some ways, be a, a pseudo-lawyer. It doesn't hurt to be able to read the legal documents, whether they're internal policy or external SEC guidance, and sort of interpret those things. You're working so closely with your legal partners and accounting. 
that you have to be a numbers and a personal kind of words matter person because you're taking all of those complexities and trying to make it simple, digestible. You're then the person putting together, excuse me, all of the facts in a simple way for potentially the CEO to review or the board of directors. So you have to be able to sort of think about all of those things and then boil it down simply. So very type A personality, very good under pressure, very good at multitasking. So you can only imagine what it's like living in my household with those two types uh-huh. of personalities leading leading the helm of our family of five. I'm sure you have a lot of checklists and routines and schedules that everyone is like transparent to to, to keep things going swiftly there. Absolutely. So it's interesting that you mentioned the the balance between someone who's got really strong soft skills, right, personable, but also really strong with numbers and then being, you know, good with understanding legal and policy documents. And that brings in that, you know, pseudo lawyer point you made. That's a very well-rounded and unique package of skills. Is there any sort of challenge with finding compensation experts in terms of talent management? I I think so. I think it is sort of a unique breed of individual. And I say that having been one myself, because some folks can do one or the other, but truly having somebody that can bring all of that together is truly unique. And so when you find a highly technical, highly skilled individual that you believe they have the capability and aptitude to maybe build up those soft skills analytics and being really good in data and spreadsheets, I think is a little bit homegrown. Um, it's the soft skills that can be teachable. And so you, you try to pick out someone that you see has that capability and then you, you want to homegrown them. So I actually was selected by a, I was in a different area of total rewards and I had a total rewards leader who, who saw some of those skills and, and capabilities and felt like she could pull out that best and really sort of teach me executive compensation. And I've ever been so blessed that she she took the chance on me. So there's not many of us and you have to be just a little bit crazy because mm-hmm. it is such intense work. It's such high pressure work. So visible, especially for publicly traded companies. And so you have to kind of come ready to learn or to have all of those things and put them to work every day. That's awesome. I love that for you that somebody actually invested in your career and you were willing and ready to step into that. Absolutely. Let's dive a little bit more into what goes on behind the scenes in a little bit more detail. Julie, when it comes to create the creation of an executive compensation package, where does one start? Can you give us a high level walkthrough of how things go? In addition, at what point do you leverage the expertise of someone like Carmen? So some of the foundations of executive compensation packages are set at the enterprise level. So you have your philosophy for things like, what does your incentive programs look like? And that's where you engage the work of someone like Carmen, really doing that peer research, really doing market research, really thinking about how your shareholders are going to view those types of incentives, whether it's equity or cash-based, what your equity plan might look like and how the proxy advisors are going to evaluate. So that's where you're working with someone like Carmen to set those practices that this is your philosophy, this is how you incentivize your executives, whatever level executive starts from you. It doesn't have to start at the C-suite. It can start at a vice president level. So you set those kind of 
constructions of incentive packages holistically and in advance. And then when you have a key leader that you're going to bring into the organization, your best friend, again, is you know looking at peer data of what other companies are doing. You're also leveraging all of the compensation survey uh, results because, again, as we spoke about earlier, they're very unique roles. So there's not always a match for the role as you've constructed it. What a leader might look like to you may not be what a leader looks like at a different company. So you want to make sure you've got a wide berth of options to find a best data match to sort of look at the compensation and at where what those pay levels might look like. So once you find a match and once you start to sort of put together based on your incentive structure, what a whole package looks like, then you have to look at internally. So you have to sort of think about even though they're unique, they're still part of a leadership team, whatever that looks like. I call it the rack and stack, sort of the order of seniority, of importance and impact of the role to the business. And you want to sort of see where that offer might sit. And then the biggest, most important piece really comes in the negotiation with the executive. What are they leaving behind? What are they leaving on the table? Are they forfeiting equity? Are they forfeiting a cash bonus? And what, if anything, are you willing to do to sort of make them whole from a cash flow perspective? That's sort of the flow and the cadence. And then ultimately, hopefully you get the acceptance by that leader. And then you prepare with legal and others all the documents that will bring them on board. Well, it sounds like there's very much a 360 degree assessment, right? You're looking at what they're leaving on the table um, and committing to your organization and also comparing internally where they would stand, right? And that makes sense. Now, Carmen, you have a unique perspective, right? Working with many different executive compensation experts like Julie, what would you say is the greatest challenge for executive compensation experts today? One of the greatest challenges and Julie kind of mentioned this, is really creating executive compensation program that balances the needs of the executives with those of shareholders, market best practices, and government regulations. These components are constantly evolving and executive comp experts like Julie, they have to keep pace and they have to know what's going on. For example, ESG has been on the rise for the past few years, and now over a quarter of the biggest 1,500 companies incorporate at least one ESG metric in their annual incentive program, such as diversity, staff health and safety, and even cyber information security. So for companies who are considering incorporating an ESG metric in their incentive program, they could start by identifying what types of ESG metrics are being used by their peers and in their industry. That's interesting. I can see how that would be a great challenge trying to keep up with certain trends, especially like the example you offered up where ESG is rising. It's a factor that's rising and has been identified to impact both value and volatility for a publicly traded company. Now, Julie, it's clear your, your day-to-day experiences are not the same. I'm curious, what aspects and responsibilities within your role can cause you to spring into action, right? For instance, when an executive resigns and your organization needs to replace them, how are you involved in those scenarios? 
Yeah. So the, I mean, one of the great things and, and can also be a downside is that no two days are the same and what you show up thinking you're going to work on that day may be very different. So certainly if an executive resigns and it's not been something that has been anticipated, um, you know, the work begins immediately um, to look at a couple of things. Do you have an internal successor? So companies are getting really, really good at internal succession and really growing their own leadership. So then you look at, are, is someone a ready now successor that's ready to move up? And if they move up, what is the construct of compensation you want to put them in for now? Are they interim? Maybe want to just think about sort of a completion bonus of sorts. Are you ready to actually promote them? Or do you need to introduce and start to partner talent and recruiters on an external search? So that could be something that completely sort of blows up your day and all hands and lots of sort of eyes on what do you want to do? Then you have to jump into action on, is that resignation perhaps something that kind of focused retentions on other key leaders that could be impacted by that executive's exit? Making sure that you're retaining your top talent, you know, continues to be priority number one. But there's lots of other things that could change our day. So things like SEC clawback rules are released, and all of a sudden your leadership wants to know what that means. So you embark on analysis. What do we use clawback? Do you not use clawback? Where is it? What could those those implications be? Or when they release the new paper performance rules and say it's going to be implemented by the first proxy that you file, everyone starts to get on calls to talk about what does this really mean? really digesting the legislation, which may not even be fully baked, and starting to partner between legal and accounting and all of your really close colleagues on trying to answer the board and the leaders on implications of these types of things. And sometimes they want to know before there's really answers. And so your job is to do the best that you can to get that for them so that everyone can continue forward. It sounds like part of your role is articulating and explaining some of the risks and actions that need to be taken around the resignation, right? You mentioned clawbacks. It's actually a very interesting topic. Carmen, I'd like you to speak on this and include this in your response if possible. What are the latest compensation trends that you are observing off late? And do you project anything or are there any indicators of what is to come? A lot of companies are revising or adopting a clawback policy to be in compliance with SEC's final ruling, like Julie just mentioned. And what this is, it's a policy that requires that companies recover erroneously awarded compensation if there's a financial restatement. So for example, if a company reports 100 million revenue and the executive is paid 1 million accordingly, if there's an error on that report and the revenue is actually 50 million, then the company technically paid the executive excess compensation. And so under the clawback policy, they would be required to recover the excess from that executive. Great explanation, Carmen. That's very interesting and uh, very informative. These clawback rules from, by the SEC were actually put into effect December 1st of 2023. Now, Julie, are there any other observations that you see or indicators of certain things that are to come? Just the continued war on talent. We've gone through the great resignation. We've gone through quiet quitting. And you continue to fight, especially at the executive level. That level, there's few and far between the right leaders to take a company to the next stage. So making sure that you're able to do that and then 
in comparison with all the legislative changes that continue to come at us that make that sometimes a little bit at odds with what you're trying to accomplish to hire the right talent at the right time in the right role. So just the, the continued journey that we've been on into the foreseeable future, will, it will go. Absolutely. The war on talent for executive leaders who can rise to the occasion when the indicators of responsible corporate governance practices are evolving, especially with the regulatory bodies leaning in more for accountability, it's absolutely apparent. Carmen and Julie, we've come to the end of our conversation and I'm feeling much more informed thanks to you both. One of the main takeaways for me is that you are in an evolving space that is unique and requires a range of skills to be effective as it's, as it's clearly highly collaborative and even unpredictable. And I'm sure our listeners would agree with me that you did a phenomenal job inviting us into your world. Thank you again. Thank you so much. Thank Pleasure you, to be here. This was ESG Unlocked, brought to you by ISS Corporate. As your host, I appreciate you listening in and encourage you to share this podcast with your friends and colleagues, as our mission is to help you better understand the evolving governance, compensation, sustainability, as well as the cyber risk landscapes. To keep up to date on new episode releases, you can subscribe to ESG Unlocked on your preferred streaming service. You can also follow ISS Corporate on LinkedIn, for additional insights as we continue to explore and unlock the value of ESG.